You're listening to Always Open number 137. If you hear something you'd like to see from this episode, visit first.roosterteeth.com. Welcome back to another episode of Always Open. I'm your host, Barbara Dunkelman. And uh, this show today is apparently three years in the making of trying to get our guests on for this episode. So I'm so excited to announce that we finally did it. It only took quarantine to make it happen. But they're here. They're wonderful. The lovely Maud Garrett is here. Hi! Yes, you've locked me down. Finally. (laughs) Caught her. And as well as Maud, we got Trisha Hirschberger in the house. What's up, girl? Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Oh, my goodness. And last but not (laughs) least, of course, the one and only Meryl Salcedo. It's me. I'm painting this room as soon as the show ends. So don't come for me for my painter's (laughs) tape. I'm trying to keep busy, okay? It looks like an interesting art piece. Um, it's actually a color that Miss Barbara Dunkelman recommended to me. Snowbound, baby. Oh, so white. (laughs) White, yeah. You're painting a white, well, white. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's like a crappy white right now. It's like a flat white and it's very hard to clean. You can't see it luckily, but there's like, it's just, there's like a weird stain right here. There's Mm. some weird marks. So, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to keep myself busy. Are you really good at animal crossing? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I'm also a white. lesbian, like, so like <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't help my tendency to need to uh, complete home projects, you know? You guys haven't noticed it, but on the over the course of the last couple episodes we've been doing on Always Open, we've been seeing the progression of Mariel's room go from oh, yeah. having like a mistake painting on it to hanging a painting over that mistake to having yep. painter's tape. Right over there. It's just constant progression. Who knows? It's beautiful, though. I'm it's gonna inspired. End. It's going to end frankly- as a bedroom, so. Yeah, I'm frankly quite inspired by your uh, your determination in quarantine right now. Thank you. I'm just I need to keep myself busy and like my my girlfriend works. She's still having to go into um, her job, and so I have to like when I'm not actually working, I have to do something to keep myself busy. So I've just been doing so many home projects. Painting is today's. We'll see how it goes. I've never done that. Painted? Not nah. a wall? Nah. <laughs> Do you live in a, an apartment right now or do you live in a house? I mean, it's LA. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely an apartment. But my yeah. um my roommate bailed uh, about 3 weeks into lockdown. Um and went back to New Zealand. So it's Thank just oh, wow. been me in this big old place. So I've converted a gaming kind of setup and then I have a studio set for my new job downstairs. I was about to say both you and Trisha have like these professional, clearly like you guys do podcasts and stuff like that, like beautiful backgrounds with games and pictures and all these like beautiful things. This is just, okay, just to really paint the picture of never being putting effort into anything. It's just stacked. I just stack things on top of each other. Like that's it. If I pull the wrong thread, this whole thing's going to come tumbling down. But that's that day's problem. Ma, that's how everybody does it, by the way. Uh, my Jessica Rabbit back there is standing on an old PC tower. Like, yeah. that's that's the stand she's on, and it's just because I, uh, it's what I had available. What the heck is that mask underneath? I've never seen that before, and it's absolutely frightening. 
Uh, it's from a video <laughs> game that came out a while ago that not many people played or liked called We Happy Few. <laughs> but yeah, I have that mask under there and I, I had nowhere to put my gunners. So I put my gunners on that mask. Oh, that's, they're on the mask? They're on the mask. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I see now. Also, yeah, was Jessica so... Rabbit everyone else's like awakening in terms of do I like women? Little Mermaid. <laughs> Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Yeah. Yeah. She was naked in that movie. Those redheads, man. Yeah. Yeah. Jessica Rabbit it was always my, I want to be her. I didn't know that I wanted to do her, but I wanted to be her pretty mm-hmm. bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, that sets up such unrealistic expectations for poor women out there. I know, like, especially that movie came out when we were pretty young, too. Yeah, we were pretty young, but I was also the kid that watched The Little Mermaid and wanted to be Ursula because she had big boobs and wore lipstick. <laughs> oh, that, that scene where she pops it out and she just, mm, yeah, I love that part. I love that. Ursula's right? one of the best villains of all time, I think, in any time. Ursula reminds me of my mom, and I say that with all the love in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, I need to know what aspects of Ursula are similar to your mm-hmm, mom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it the look um, or is it? Yes, always had short hair and she's blonde. Um, so that kind of was part of it. Um, she is incredibly sassy. Um, and she's all about that body language. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a and technically she gave soul. you legs, right? So. Hey. <laughs> it works. She hasn't tried to take my voice yet, but hey, it's only Friday. <laughs> There's still time. Well, uh, I'm so excited that you guys are finally here joining us on the show. As I mentioned, I definitely have been talking to Maud about it for many, many years. I've known Maud for a long time in this industry. Trisha, I think we've met maybe once or twice in person. Yep. But never actually got to hang out. So this is our first time officially hanging out. Yeah. So you, uh, you guys all get to watch our first hangout together. <laughs> That's cute. Aw. I'm so glad to have you guys here. Um, So I wanted to kind of start things off. We used to play this game called In One Word, where you had to describe something in one word. And I felt like it would be appropriate based on everything going on right now in the crazy world that we're living in, what your state of mind is in one word. Eggs. (laughs) I'm saying eggs because my first two words that popped into my head were scrambled and fried, and then it made Uh. me think of egg. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Mine was bustling. Bustling? Yeah, I've just been bustling this whole time. There's this like constantly go, 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 go. For the first like six weeks of quarantine, I didn't have a day off. Um, But now I have one day off a week. So it's kind of nonstop. But I was like nonstop, even though hyphenated is technically two words. So I will use bustling. Bustling. What's been keeping you the busiest right now? Like are you guys, I know you guys are recording your show Power Up, which everyone should check out, by the way. Uh, Maude, you want to go first? (laughs) Yeah, I actually, I started a new job um, and I was on set for two days before lockdown kicked in officially. Mm. Um, And that was for the new Quibi setup. There is Uh, a Quibi show called Daily Up Maud. (laughs) Fresh Daily. Fresh Daily, (laughs) which is uh, teaming up with Rotten Tomatoes for the Quibi platform, which was supposed to be a movie discussion show. But, of course, when lockdown hit, all the movies shut down, so we kind of quickly pivoted it to be, a streaming recommendations show. Um, and that has been completely well-timed being in quarantine and everyone just being like, what am I going to watch? There's so much out there. So every single day we talk about things that are new out, things that won't waste your time, if it's worth it, what's good. 
Um, but that has been a lot of work because we've had to set up like a legitimate set in the house or as close as possible to it. I no longer am just the host. I am pre-production, post-production, TD, like, like you God, name it. Dude. I'm doing all of it. And then when it's a streaming recommendation show, you have to watch the shows. So every single show I'm doing, I've watched a bunch of content leading into that. So that is why I am bustling. Oh, my God. Right, do you think you're busier before you were at the for the quarantine? Like busier I'm now? I'm the busiest I've been in three years. Dude, same. I, yeah. I, I was going to say, I think my word is overwhelmed. If I had to pick one word, just because, and I was talking to some people about this, I don't think I've ever been this busy in my entire life. And it's weird to think about so many people. I mean, there's obviously so many different situations people are in. Some people, unfortunately, have lost their jobs and people are still doing their job, but kind of to a lesser degree from home. And I feel like for us, it's just heightened in every sort of way, especially because you're doing everything by yourself, as you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been really difficult. And asking for help is so hard because it's like, it's not like someone can come over and help me set up all this equipment. Um, and I've had yeah. to work with like a set designer. Um, so that was really trialing because everything arrived in these boxes and I was supposed to correct, you know, make this beautiful set. And it was like, aha. Um, and I think if we can be real, bustling is overwhelmed without vulnerability. And um, I need to be better about that. But overwhelmed is so right. <laughs> because there was a couple of weeks there where I was drowning. Yeah. Yeah. Was it like the, the first two, three weeks of quarantine, I think, yeah. is when I was on the brink, I think, of a mental breakdown. Yes. To a degree. You know what? Do, should we just assume that we should say same to everything that we bring to the table? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's going to okay. be a lot of nodding and a lot of um, yeah. mm -hmm. same, same, same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I cried mm -hmm. a lot. I would like cry walking my dog. And I'm like, oh, here it goes. Oh, this is fun. And then I realized that if you cry in the shower, it just all comes out and washes away. So that's it's the great, best isn't it? to do it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, then, it they say that it takes like 30 days to make or break a habit. And I felt like within that first three to four weeks, it was the shock of it happening. And then the establishment of trying to build some sort of routine. And now, since it's been so long, I'm so ingrained and have such a routine in place that I've completely reacclimatized. Yeah. Now the notion of going back to life is more strange than the fact that we're here to begin with. Yeah, I had a, a friend invite me to do something. Um, and I was like, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable with that. Like quarantine's not over. And they're like, oh, we could keep our distance. And I was like, even the thought of doing something social is giving me so much anxiety. And it's so daun it feels so daunting at this point to go back into society in that way. Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly, even though like I said, so I said eggs uh, because I was thinking <laughs> scram some days are scrambled eggs, some are fried eggs, some are cracked uh, mm. because I agree with all of you, you know, that especially if you're a digital content creator in this time when everyone decided, you know what I need to do now? Do digital. Uh, <laughs> yep. So digital has ramped up like crazy. And I've had a Twitch channel for five plus years now. So I'm pretty used to running shows by myself from my house. And because of that, all of the clients that I normally host shows for were like, oh, great, Trisha, can you just do it all from your house? So uh -huh. much like Maud, I am now pre-production, technical director, uh, you know, in addition to talent, I'm doing everything for the shows. And I currently host shows for Newegg, if you know the tech retailer Newegg. For any of my PC builders out there. Uh, and shout out. <laughs> yeah, shout out. 
and Kingston Technology as well. I do their series, DIY in 5, um, and a series that I do for Fandom Weekly, a gaming series. So a whole bunch of stuff that I am now self-producing out of my house. And the extra um, butter in the egg pan for me, we'll say, is that I also have a three-year-old. And in quarantine, not only are all childcare centers closed, but it's not like you can just have a babysitter come over. And my husband is working from home as well. So in moments, we literally sit down every single night at the table and say, okay, what's your schedule like tomorrow? What's your schedule like tomorrow? How can we divvy up the day? If one of us finishes a meeting early, we'll come down and say tag. And we literally see each other (laughs) in passing as the other one runs upstairs to get as much work in as they can before they need to tag back in uh, for toddler preschool duty. So the one thing I am really looking forward to about when all this is over, besides, of course, seeing my friends, uh, is having an eight-hour day to just work (laughs) for eight hours uninterrupted. Because right now I'm trying to cram probably eight to ten hours worth of work into a three- to four-hour workday broken up into four chunks. And I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Where to go? That's amazing. You've earned yeah, that. You need, you need more than right one day Mother's a year. Day. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was going to ask, was your son in daycare before this happened? Yes, he was in have, daycare. Have they had any Zoom calls with his daycare? Oh, yes. Every Monday, oh, Wednesday, God. and Friday. Every Monday, Wednesday. they one- do that? Uh-huh. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, he has circle time at 9.45 in the morning via Zoom. And then his music teacher that would come to his preschool once a week and teach music class is offering music classes via Zoom as well for the preschool kids. Um, And she was doing it just for donations, uh, which I was like, take all my money. Like, you're not working right now. Take take money. Entertain my toddler, please. Um, And now they're charging very little. But still, um, you know, I'm just excited to give her uh, some type of income level in this time. Um, But, you know, it's nice for him to see his friends. Even if it's digitally, I try to have digital play dates for him. He doesn't really get it. He knows when yeah. we go outside for walks, he has to wear his mask and he has a little homemade toddler mask. Um, but yeah, he, he fortunately, he doesn't really understand what's going on. So I don't think that it's freaking him out in any way. And he's kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that go. one. Wait, what's on that, Barb? Skulls? This is, a, this is skull, like popsicle skulls. Uh, it's actually from. Uh, the Rooster Teeth store. So we're actually popping in some masks with any orders made, I think, in the next week or so on the Rooster store. That's and everyone's just like That's crushing amazing. it at the moment. Stepping uh, it up. And here's like a new curveball of something that I've learned in quarantine because everyone's in such extreme and unique situations. Um, the part about the catch-22 to being incredibly busy and being overwhelmed, trying to not only continue working whilst dealing with a pandemic, um, emotionally, um, is also feeling guilt for actually having a job. That yeah, one's not yeah. fun because it feels like that I can't even, I'm not allowed to feel stressed or, or overwhelmed or talk to anyone about it because every time I would talk to friends about it, you know, a girlfriend of mine would be like, oh, yeah, cool, I lost $15,000 because the film festival for my debut um, feature film, uh, it's, it, they've shut down the entire film festival. So I'd already paid for tickets and I'm like, Mm, mm -hmm. that sucks mine doesn't i'm fine but you shouldn't feel guilty about being in the position that you're in and the fact that you haven't lost your job or or your position in any way i I feel like the people who try to make you feel guilty for that are 
I don't know if I could agree. Oh with no, that it's, I don't know. If, I don't know if it's um. I, I'm not being made to feel guilty by other people. I'm oh, okay. checking myself because it's like you know, it's it, and I'm feeling that guilt and placing that guilt onto me because it's like I'm having a little bit of a whinge about something. Um, and then other people are saying, oh my God, same. And it's so much worse than what I'm going through. So it's like, okay, I need to reflect and check myself and just be like, it's not so bad. But that actually exacerbates guilt. True. Very true. Yeah. It's a it's a difficult situation to be in for so many people. And my heart goes out to everybody who has to be in a position where either they still need to be going into work and are those essential workers that um, mm-hmm. are essentially keeping everyone alive and keeping society running uh, to those in the medical field who are just, I can't even imagine the horrors that those people are going through, especially in cities that are so hard hit like New York city and places like that. It's just absolutely terrible. Um, And so when people thank us for creating content, it's like, this is the least we could be doing. (laughs) Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I just keep reminding myself that, you know, as, as overwhelmed as I feel all the time, I'm so fortunate to have a job. My husband's so fortunate to have a job where he can work from home. And like as much as it's it near impossible to watch and simultaneously potty train a toddler while you're trying <laughs> to conduct any type of professional career responsibilities, at the same time, I get toddler snuggles every night. And I'm so oh. fortunate for that because there's so many people that are just in isolation 100% of the time and are just yearning for human contact. So I think we all have our own struggles and our own blessings kind of all throughout this. And I try to remind myself to focus on the positive as much as possible. Absolutely. Let's give all those people a hug virtually. Yummy. <laughs> okay. I touch your butt. <laughs> Meryl, what about you? One word, oh. uh, your current mental state. Frustrated, I think. Mm. And it's not so much with the current state of the world. Like, I think I've gotten used to that. It's more so with the people who don't understand. Mm-hmm. Um, like the severity of it and, you know, want to go and get their haircuts and think this is all a ruse, think it's all some conspiracy. Like that's, I, I, I've been doing this thing where I, I've been trying to avoid social media as much as I can, especially it's not even the people that I don't know. The sad thing is that it's mostly people I know, like people I grew up with, you know? And so I've been doing this thing where, um, I'm, I'm from a really small town in Texas. Um, and very conservative, very, you know, red, all of those things. But um, there's this particular doctor who is from my hometown. And uh, literally every day I see his Facebook post and he's just like, hey, guys, like, here are some facts for you. Like, you know, here's this um, sourced uh, article on like immunology and like here and like actual facts. And people just go on there and fight with him. And it's just like, what? Why? Oh, uh, having like, fights with facts? <laughs> right? I know, right? Um, America! And, and it's like, dude, this, this guy's a doctor. Like, he's actually knows what he's talking about, and you just kind of look like an idiot. And so, anyway, I don't know this guy at all. Um, I've been to his clinic, like, once or twice when I've gotten sick from back home, but I was so compelled by his, like, just constant perseverance to be like, all right, like, you guys are literally telling me I'm stupid, but, like, I'm going to keep every day, like, posting the facts that I, I messaged him, and I was like, hey, I know you don't know me. I don't know you. Uh, but we we're from the same place and you still live there. And I just like really appreciate the fact that like, despite all of these people who are co- like, you know, like constantly saying that you're you're just buying into this agenda and you're like, uh, you know, not taking like you're you know, I, I appreciate you taking this seriously for the people who are in 
this the city that um even though you know they want to be ignorant to the truth um they at least are being protected by like you you know being honest with people so anyway that's where i'm at and so then i just uh do a lot of home projects to take my mind off (laughs) (laughs) there was a there was a girl i follow on social media who went on this huge rant the other day on her instagram stories about how she saw this video of this doctor who was saying that the government is paying the doctors to say people have COVID or people died of COVID. And she's like, I, you know, like, I like conspiracy theories, but I really believe this one. And the video was taken down, which means it's got to be true. Like, who, who no, told them to take the video down? <laughs> and it's like, she was like, oh, and like, I heard that viruses take at least 10 years to form. And like, this came out in a few months. So like, it has to be man-made. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> this is absurd that people believe these types of things and will go down these rabbit holes and make the whole thing so blown out of proportion. Uh, I swear I could speak English. Uh, And it's just like, this isn't helping the whole situation at all. It's already bad enough, let alone making it into something that isn't even true. Or I don't know. I don't know. It just makes me so angry. Yeah, it's frustrating. But frustrating. I always made the joke that we needed a new plague and I uh, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> oh, so this is all your fault. <laughs> it's my fault. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I should have done it. Do I, do I, I love guys... all the people ironically watching Contagion playing A Plague Tale oh, yeah. Innocence. Like everybody just get it right now. They're in the mood for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you guys ever uh, watch The Simpsons growing up? Yeah. I wasn't so, allowed. Oh, you're one of those kids. I was one of those kids. Yeah, Bart Simpson, I guess, showed his butt in a cartoon that my mom saw once, and she was like, nope. <laughs> it was 14 plus, so. See, back to my mom being Ursula. She did not care. <laughs> she was like, go. You'll she learn you things. Yeah, yeah, it was mandatory viewing. Uh, there's oh. an episode of The Simpsons about a pandemic, and the doctor, Dr. Uh, Hibbert, was basically just like saying he wasn't going to help them. And then they started rioting and pushed over a truck that had killer bees. <laughs> and I'm like, Simpsons fucking predicted it. Now That's we got fucking murder hornets. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Have you seen that video of the murder hornet just eating an insect's face off? Like a bite at a time. It just holds this insect or a wasp down. And then it just goes, ow, <laughs> and just starts eating its head a bite at a time. And you know. That that would be the worst way to go because the first bite is probably going to be a cheek, missing the brain. And so it's like, oh, "Oh, you've eaten my face and I'm watching you devour me. I think I have, ah, it's hitting me now. I do not want to be someone else's food. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) becoming an irrational fear, I suppose. Mm. That is so terrifying. Uh, Mm. Thank you. So welcome. Mm -hmm. Thanks for putting that into all of our heads. I feel like I'm quite immune to a lot of deadly animals and things trying to kill you a lot of the time, especially when it, you know, is in the insect or the spider or the, you know, snake family. But this one for me, it was just the, it was very Hannibalistic in the sense that it was like so delicate, but ferocious, where it was just like calm. That's psychotic. It was just like eating its dinner. Like it wasn't even like. Well, the thing was Yeah, and the bug's like moving. (laughs) <laughs> and then it's just not. <laughs> just like eating a turkey sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Delicious. But like it, it went straight for the head. <laughs> yeah, apparently those murder hornets could just fly into a nest and like decimate the entire colony. So okay. I, I did watch a very cool video that made me feel a lot better about this whole situation. And it was 
um apparently like japanese bees have are super super smart and uh now they've like they know how to attack these murder hornets so they'll like lure it into their hive and then they're basically wait and they essentially sacrifice one of them they wait for the murder hornet to like jump on a bee to try and get it and then once it gets the bees they surround it and they just start buzzing and vibrating so that essentially the the murder hornet they like surround it and like encapsulate it and buzz all around it <laughs> fast enough to where it like roasts itself like it just like cooks i wonder what the conversation is between <laughs> that hive of just like all right uh who's gonna volunteer uh we got <laughs> like mm, well bob it's like a hunger games type situation straw straw bob you know what you have to do yeah <laughs> all right i'll see you guys later i'm gonna go the sacrifice good. myself to the murder hornets for 2020 <laughs> Hey, you guys better yeah. buzz real good. <laughs> <laughs> With everything going on in the world, it's more important than ever to care for one another. Whether it's a friend you see every day or a family you don't get to see enough, we can all feel isolated or overwhelmed during the current crisis. So check up on your friends, check in on your loved ones, but also check up on yourself. Give a call, reach out, offer your support, and get their support in return. We want to remind you that if you need support, you could reach out to NAMI, the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization, to get support for yourself and learn how to support others too. Visit nami.org or call 1-800-950-6264. You are not alone. All right, well, this uh, this question kind of ties us into our first user question. This is a user-submitted question. Uh, and they would like to know what has been the most challenging period in your life? Maybe maybe pre-quarantine. This is going to sound weird, but 2019 was still worse than 2020 for me. Really? Yeah. I, for you the might. first time in my entire career of being on camera, and that started in 2005, before Facebook was even a thing, Wow. Um, my resilience has started to deteriorate. I had the thickest skin. Like if I didn't believe it about myself, it would bounce off. If there was a spelling error in their insult, it would bounce off. Right. And I was just Tefloning all this stuff. And then something happened where it just started sticking a little bit more and like not making me feel so great. And I think it's because, you know, with more social media and more access, it's become harder for me because there's so many awful people out there that just really fight to make their assholeness heard <laughs> and i mean it, yeah <laughs> I think my i'm like whoa that's gross but also really upsetting <laughs> um yeah and i just noticed like something happened in 2019 where i kind of just dug myself into this emotional hole and i really struggled to get out of it mm. and i before that would have bad days and then it started turning into bad weeks and then 2019 was a bad month or five mm. And then I did get out of it. Um, and now I'm okay, even though like the world's nearly ending in a particular way. But that for me was a really, really weird one to overcome because previously, anytime someone would talk to me about anxiety or depression, I'd just be like, oh man, I need to learn more about this because I just, I don't know what it's like and I haven't experienced it. So I need to learn more about it. And then all of a sudden it was like, why am I behaving like this? Oh, this actually sounds like it could be anxiety. Whoa. Oh, this could lead into depressive tendencies. E. Um, and so I kind of obviously wanted to tackle it before it became a bad deal. But I think there was this moment where my, my best friend was just like, Maud, you seem comfortable in your despair now. And I was like, no, <laughs> oh I don't want to be here. 
this is the worst thing. I'm trying to get out. Someone throw me a freaking rope because I'm in my hole. Yeah. Um, so when she said that, I was just like, right. And I don't know how, it, like, honestly, it's not an easy fix, but something just kind of s- switches and mm. you, you realize that you can make the rope to get yourself out of a hole. But yeah, 2019 sucked, guys. Was Was there something different that, like, other than that stuff sticking a little bit harder, was there any, like, new developments that happened in 2019? Like, you going off and, and starting certain show or moving away from something was there any no. like, big change no nope could not tell you what it was i've been freelancing for two years leading up to that work was fine it would come in here and there um you know I'd, i think i'd come out two relationships that i had back to back they had ended it and i think that that was a little bit debilitating for me yeah. um but yeah i just i stopped being able to be the best me and that was yeah, really hard, but no no pinpoint moment, nothing like that, which is what made it so scary because it just started happening. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's me. Well, you're, but you're doing better now, you said, in 2020, yeah. of, of course, yeah. despite everything going on. Yep. Well, that's good. That's a positive. That's uh, weird. Everyone's like, 2020 is the worst year ever. And I was like, <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> it's real bad, but it's not as bad as last year. Is that personally? Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm glad you're doing better, though. Yeah, really good. It's it's crazy how those like mental health issues kind of come on so suddenly to a point where you don't even realize it. Because God, I'm similar to you, Maude, where I, I never really struggled with a lot Get of mental out. health issues <laughs> growing up. I know you and I are like separated <laughs> at birth. Um, but I, I kind of had a similar situation specifically with anxiety. But I, I think I could pinpoint it to something that happened. Um, you guys have probably heard about it. It was a couple of years ago at this point, but um, coworkers of ours had an incident where someone broke into their house uh, mm. with a gun. And that, I, I mean, I can't even imagine what they went through and, and what they continue to go through on a daily basis, but that affected me on such a intense and long-lasting level to the point where I started having panic attacks and, and suffering from like severe anxiety after that. Um, especially that was at a time where there was so many like school shootings and, and mass shootings going on in the United States and everything surrounding that just made me on edge pretty much 24 seven. Um, I didn't want to be at work. I didn't want to even leave my house. I didn't want to go anywhere public. Uh, and it was to the point where even if my boyfriend Trevor was going out grocery shopping, I'd be like, all right, just be careful. And if you like hear anything, like make sure you know where the exits are and stuff like that. Like I would get so nervous about every little thing and slowly that has started to calm down and weirdly enough being home and working from home has made me feel safer than I ever have in the last couple of years so I'm kind of like you mod where I'm like oh 2020 is not that bad it's kind of nice actually um I think you just hit the nail on the head with the word safety and I think that safety is something that we all take for granted but it's probably the most important thing and i think safety is far more important for women than men um because i think overall we have more of a vulnerability towards those sorts of particular things but if you don't feel safe like it's hard to exist you yeah. and i think that your response and reaction to that is totally valid because that like you just wouldn't be able to feel safe doing anything because something that we never thought could happen did happen yeah and then it became so real Oh, that must have been frightening. Absolutely. And I, yeah, and I can't even imagine for them what they are still feeling from that and the effects of that. Um, 
that it's just life is scary sometimes um and trying to get a hold of myself in terms of my anxiety in that sense where I had the issue where I even like watching TV and there was like a gunshot on TV. I would I would go into like an instant panic attack um, and just kind of working with myself through that of just like telling myself it's OK and to, to stop worrying about this. And, and it's no big deal. And this is a very rare situation. And, and what I'm picturing in my mind and what I'm going through in my mind is probably worse than it's ever going to be. Uh, and just trying to tell myself that. Uh, it's gotten a little better though, but that was definitely, I think the most challenging period of my life, just for the sake of like not wanting to ever go anywhere and not be at work just cause I felt unsafe. Um, move to Australia. Yeah. <laughs> or, or back to Canada. <laughs> that, that's yeah. yeah. So that's a really, really big thing that I had to adjust with. And that was the fact that uh, I remember some, I had road rage or like someone cut me off and I was like, that's bullshit. And then someone said, don't get mad in a car because something like four out of 10 dash what are they called glove boxes has a gun in it and i was like oh, yeah. oh my god yeah I and so that for me was just like time. this is yeah and i did not grow up learning safety you know songs to twinkle twinkle little star like if there's a drill we only had fire drills where if like you know a fire happened in the science room you know to go down to the oval but like kids as young as four being taught these shooting drills for me that makes me sick in the stomach and i kind of made the decision a while ago that i would not feel comfortable raising children in america because we didn't even have a security guard at my high school like the worst thing that someone did in my school was smoke behind the c block and there was that girl kathleen who tried to scare a pigeon but she instead stood on its neck and it died (laughs) yeah i think like the worst thing at my school is someone got punched like which i think happens at every high school yeah. Well, yeah. The worst thing you have to work worse, uh, worry about in Australia is spiders, right? And, like big birds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of animals and insects and stuff that will kill you in Australia, right? I always yeah. hear New Zealand is the place to go if you want Australia, but nothing that'll kill you. Yes, that is true. I sometimes like New Zealand a lot more than Australia. <laughs> oh, when we, it comes to politics, if you want us to edit that to... out of this episode, we can. Don't worry. <laughs> oh no, I just stand by it, and I have a feeling the country is feeling more and more like that at the moment too, especially because of. Uh, Jacinda Arden, who's just crushing what leadership looks like. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so New Zealand as well could be cool. And Trish, you've been there because of the Hobbiton, Hobbit House. I have indeed. Yeah, I honeymooned in Hobbiton uh, because where else do you want to go in this world than the Shire for your honeymoon? I don't know. That was an so easy no-brainer. Yeah, so beautiful. And that's with everything being as crazy and scary as it is right now in the United States, that's my husband just keeps saying, so when are we moving to New Zealand? Uh, <laughs> because we are in a situation where we're raising a child in America right now. And there's yeah. a lot about it that's terrifying. And, um, you know, Barbara, you brought up that situation with uh, coworkers that had to deal with that horrific safety concern. Um, I, I, I have had conversations in relation to that about things that I might say sometimes online publicly. And I try not to be controversial with my brand. And I think this was a conversation where someone in some forum was encouraging me to be more outspoken on a lot of these things that I really do Mm -hmm. care about. Um, But at the same time, I not only have to think about my safety, I have to think about the safety of my three-year-old. And if there were to be an intruder in my household, my first thought is my three-year-old, not myself. Um, And so it's just it adds this extra level of stress and anxiety to that whole situation that I I can't even fathom. 
Um, but the question was the lowest point in your life, most right? challenging point. It's so funny because I have so many different kind of smatterings from all over my life. Great. Uh, but I'm trying to think <laughs> of, thank you. I'm trying to think of a time when they kind of all piled on at once. And I guess mm-hmm. a really hard one for me is a, a little similar to mods in the one time in my online career that I got thin skin. And it was right after I worked for SourceFed for three years full time. I went to the video game outlet, The Escapist. and when I had initially met with everyone who worked there, they were all awesome and super supportive. And I was really excited about it. And I started, you feel very vulnerable when you're developing content. So I was like developing all these new shows and pitching all these new shows. And since their whole staff was in North Carolina, I was the only one based out of LA. So I was doing it myself. Like they would give me budget, but then I had to hire and interview the whole crew. I had to get the liability insurance. I had to fund my own or found my own production company. Yes, I was doing everything, but I was, you know, enjoying the challenge of it all and learning how to do it all, which was awesome. And their community was Mm. just so unwelcoming. And I I felt like I was giving 310% and the community, just every chance they got were really upset that I was a woman. Um, and it was so incredibly defeating. Uh, it was a one year contract. And like I said, you know, the staff and everybody who worked there were awesome and super supportive and lovely. Um, but the community had just already been kind of founded from this place of a little bit more Simon Cowell than Paula Abdul, to put it in American (laughs) Idol terms. They all really liked being super critical of things. Yeah. Um, and felt that that gave them a position of authority as opposed to being enthusiasts or being people who really just enjoy something for the sake of enjoying it. Um, and there is certainly an argument to be made on both sides. And I think that really we all, fi- we all find ourselves somewhere on the spectrum in the middle. Um, but this community was very heavily weighted on the Simon Cowell side of this. Um, <laughs> and after that year contract, my husband and I were dating at the time. I think we might have been living together at that time. But he said, please don't re-sign this contract. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, I'm watching someone who has always been super confident and super outgoing just shrink and shrink and shrink down into kind of this shell of a person. And it's destroying you and no job is worth that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right? I, so at I the end like of that it's... year, it was. You're done. I, I, and, I, and from that point on, I was like, any company that I ever discuss creating content for that has a policy of zero moderation on their community, I just won't work with them. That is the point that I really, really want to make. Um, I became channel manager at SourceFed after a couple of months, and I noticed that they just let all comments fly. And I was like, you've got to protect your talent. Like, that is not okay. And I feel like the more leeway you give um, the commenters and the less restriction you have on it, you are enabling bad behavior and the more that that's allowed, the more that it grows and festers. And then Absolutely. you can't remove that stain. So I would go through and every single video, I would go through it. And if it was like a genuine kind of criticism where it was like, this wasn't your best or Maud's not funny today. I'm like, cool. But if it's Maud looks fugly and that's a gross something like about my appearance, I'd be like, no. And I actually found empowerment being able to silence these people that thought that they had a voice. Um, and I also loved the fact that I would protect these colleagues that I'm working with to eliminate all that awful vitriol from, you know, from their eyes, you know, so they couldn't see it. And I can't believe that no other online, well, not no other, but there were so few other online 
outlets at that particular time, I'm talking five years ago, Mm -hmm. that would do that. Because you have to start that from day one because you are cultivating the audience that you want and your audience emulates you and what you are bringing to the table. Absolutely. Yeah. And the argument on the other side of that is you don't want to censor people. But right. And I and I understand that argument as well. You know, over community moderation can be seen as a form of censorship. So where is the line in the middle? Um, But I think I think that the line does have to be somewhere in the middle. I don't think you can just default to everybody's allowed to have an opinion, even if it's an unpopular one, because if that opinion is death threats, or if that opinion is misogyny or any other type of hate speech, just letting that fly lets other people that feel like that know that this is a place that you can come and share those beliefs and they can grow Mm -hmm. and fester there. And like one of the things I always say on my Twitch channel, because my Twitch channel and my YouTube channel, because those are communities I can obviously control. Mm I am the owner of those channels. I always say like, look, I try to treat it like real life. If I invited you to a party at my house, which is how I feel when I'm inviting you into my Twitch chat and into my Twitch stream. If I invite you into a party at my house and you're being rude to other party guests or to the party hosts, I'm going to ask (laughs) you to leave. Like that's how it would be in real life. And if I didn't do that, no one would want to come to my parties anymore. Because my parties would just be a bunch of crazy people screaming horrible things at each other. (laughs) So that's That's not a good party. I don't, I don't see it as censorship. It's like, if you, yeah, if you come to my channel and you're a dick, I have, I, I get to stop that from happening. Unlike that's why I think Instagram is becoming a more preferred platform because when you're posting a picture, you can delete comments. Um, Twitter, you can't do that. Exactly. You can only mute, which means that, you know, they're screaming at you and you can't hear or see them, but everyone else can. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're not really protecting anyone or anything. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't necessarily see it as censorship. I'm, I see it as no dicks allowed. Like if you're an idiot and you're being <laughs> mean and awful, like I said, if there's constructive, if there's constructive criticism, I'm not so sensitive that I can't hear negative things about me. Um, but do it in an intellectual feedback con- constructive way. If it's just, I, I mean, gosh, my most popular video, most of the comments about are about how cringy I am and how like, this is so uh, awful. And I didn't read the room. But I'm like, cool. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> but it's yeah. got a million views. So woo. But I will keep those comments in. But as soon as it's about she wants to, she's trying so hard to get him to, you know, fuck her. I'm like, that's not it at all. I'm literally doing my job. And so yeah. I will not be degraded in that sense. I completely agree with both of you. Um, I think there's obviously the debate of like censorship versus moderating, which I think mm-hmm. are, is a very fine line. But I agree with you that the comments that are just just about things either that you can't change, like, oh, your voice is so annoying or you're ugly or whatever the yeah. person's problem with you is, that's only going to incite other people to comment the same way because they see other people doing it. And when you take that away and they're like, oh, well, no one's really commenting on this, so I don't want to be the first person to do it or like, I'm not going to do it. It, mm-hmm. it silences that negativity. And I also, I never understood the purpose of commenting something so mean or negative. It's like, if you don't like it, just like, oh, they hate themselves. That's yeah. why. They're projecting literally the things that they don't like. Often people who are writing negative things, they are upset that you're doing the thing that they wish they could do. So they have to destroy mm-hmm. it because they can't do it. Yeah. Well, so and that, was- that was like another thing about having tough skin. Anytime someone said something negative about me, it was just so obvious that they were going, I'm really upset at myself. I am self-loathing. I am like struggling in life. So therefore, this is how I'm coping. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, um, for all Delete. of those people who want to post always open instead of me, suck it. Uh... <laughs> oh, and just a PSA as well. If you are commenting on a woman's appearance, that is never considered constructive feedback. Never. Like, never. please don't. If you're commenting on a woman's appearance in any, like, in a negative way at all, it's it's not feedback, guys. That yeah. is comment it's not, on it's what also people not are freedom saying. of speech. Like, fuck that shit. Yeah, right. your your opinion is not necessary. <laughs> Part of the reason that I have Jessica Rabbit in the back of all of my videos and streams is because she's not bad. She's just drawn that way, it's and even done. though she's a very curvy, very sexual woman, that does not mean she is. A prostitute? That does not mean she's offering anything up. And as someone who's been very busty the majority of my life, a lot of my yeah, right? A lot of my time on the internet (laughs) has been, oh, she wants it. Oh, she's sticking it out. Uh, You know, what I would or would not like to do. Like a lot of it has been that. Um, so I just wanted to piggyback on mods commenting on what you don't like about a people's appearance or commenting what you think people's appearance says about them mm-hmm. is, is never, never This is warranted. what I say to those people. Please. Hey. <laughs> Big ol' one of these. Big ol' one of these. Oh, also, it's not a compliment when you tell a woman what you would like to do to her. No. Not a compliment. <laughs> not a compliment. That's usually an instant block for me. Yeah. Meryl, what about yeah. you? Most challenging period in your life? Oh, being away from you, Barbara Dunkelman, oh, not seeing you every day has been so hard for me. Um, uh, mine's probably a little bit more personal. I mean, not these are all very personal, but um, I, I mean, it was probably coming out to my family whenever I was or 19. Um, mm. That's probably like the toughest thing I've ever had to deal with in my life. Um, just because it and I've talked about it on the show plenty of times, but um, my mom and I didn't went from like being super super close talking every day to like not speaking for months which is really hard i mean my mom is now she's the sweetest person and she's gotten a lot better and she's like you know pretty supportive and whatnot but when you go from having like you know my mom and i who have a very very close friendship to like no relationship at all it was super uh you know it was super challenging and it was super traumatic for me because i i was like honestly convinced that we'd never have a relationship again uh luckily that's not the case so it's it's and it's been a lot better and that was god nine years ago and you're still Um, her favorite child we've and i'm still her favorite child surprisingly (laughs) (laughs) we we just did a video recently where we like asked our parents we did like an ama with our parents and the question wasn't in there but i decided to ask it anyway and i was just like why why would you say i'm your favorite child and she didn't even hesitate she was just like oh well yeah you're my favorite because of this this and that and i was like wow my brothers are i'm not my dad's favorite i'm not my mom's favorite but it's so interesting to hear how like different parents um take uh you know have their viewpoints on that because one time my mom asked my brother to take the bins out and he said, okay. And she went, you're gay. This is amazing. I love you. Oh, this is so great. I'm so supportive. And he was just like, oh my God, I said, okay, not I'm gay. And if I was ever going to come out, it wouldn't be to get out of taking the rubbish outside. Like, (laughs) but she was just like, so ready to jump in and be like, I'm, <laughs> I'm like disappointing because I'm not. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> Adopt all my gay friends. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I've met so many wonderful people too in my life who are like that, who were just like, oh man, unfortunately, all of my kids are straight. But if I had, like, Barb, I feel like your parents are exactly that. Like, they're just like, they're pa- looking for an excuse to be supportive. Yeah, yeah, yeah which yeah. is great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I luckily have, have, you know, I think that was also coupled with, with like, leaving my hometown, starting uh, at university, like moving to a new place and really just having a time of like a lot of confusion and also a lot of freedom, which I hadn't had ever in my life. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I am grateful that that so far my life has been pretty easy breezy since then. But that uh, was a, a tough time for sure. I know you talked yeah, about it Oh yeah, absolutely. Well. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, for those also watching and, and struggling through coming out and, and dealing with an unsupportive family, you got us. Um, we'll hold your hand through it. You should always feel comfortable to be yourself because life is yeah. too short not to be able to be yourself. Um, and, and my mom love you. loves you. And, oh, and, yeah. and Maud's mom loves you. My mom loves you. And uh, she'll <laughs> take your me. soul and yeah, do fun not, things with it. Take your voice. Just- Take, Take your, your voice, give you legs. She'll turn you into one of those little things that looks like a little seaweed. Plant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she'll garden. Yeah, it's so sweet. Like a garden of humans. <laughs> it is a lot creepier when I really think back to that movie. I oh, can yeah. tell it's you, like- I because of Disney Plus and having a toddler who's home all the time now, I've rewatched a lot of classic Disney films and they are all terrifying. I oh, didn't absolutely. realize it back in the day. I mean, finding Nemo is just taken with fish. It's oh, terrifying. It's ter- There's a total family massacre, near total family massacre, in the very beginning, in the first five <laughs> minutes of the movie. And then the only ones left are one father and one son. And then that one son is kidnapped, and the whole rest of the movie is the dad facing sharks and, like, <laughs> facing all these terrifying things that are trying to kill him to get his child back. You're blowing my mind right now. It is taken with fish. <laughs> these are lessons that children need to learn. <laughs> Life's realities. God. If you're a fish, you could get eaten. I learned that from Le Poisson. First, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, chop up the what's what's the I I used to get and I pull out the balls. <laughs> P.S. You've all seen John Stamos's version of that, right? No, John Stamos is Chef Louis in like every live action Little Mermaid, everything, and it will make your world. I feel like John Please. Stamos would be a great Prince Eric. He's a fantastic Ooh. Chef Louis. Okay, I gotta, gotta gotta check that out. There's a girl also. I I posted on Twitter a few weeks ago at this point. A girl who recreated the entire opening song from Beauty of the Beast. She played yes, all I the saw characters. That. Yes. Oh, I need six eggs. Oh, so that's good. two weeks back. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the best Disney song in my oh, opinion. I think Beauty and the Beast has the best music, hands down. But uh, Beauty and the Beast, which is about Stockholm syndrome, <laughs> and Beastie. You should have your own show called like. <laughs> Trisha ruins Disney or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think anything could ruin Disney for me. It's I, wake up, America. <laughs> Disney, gonna... Disney ruined it for me. I've got an obsession with um, guys that look like Prince Eric, which is why I'm still single. Ruled out mm. blondes for me completely. Thanks, Disney. Do you want to date my ex boyfriend? He kind of looked like Prince Eric. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Here's my ex boyfriend on offer. I won't talk to him. He'll be fine. <laughs> He's just in my cupboard behind me. <laughs> Barbara is just trying to help you through this difficult time, Maud. Yes, friends. I think he's Bella. still single. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. But I, I feel like you and I have a similar type, though. I was definitely uh, into the Prince Eric look growing up and continue to be. He's a dog person as well. Like, I know. Uh, 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 Tall, dark, and handsome. Blue eyes. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't go wrong. A prince in disguise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you like it all that much, it's yours. <laughs> but sir, I insist. We could probably well, just thank do you. The- <laughs> thank you very much. Do the entire opening to Beauty and the Beast yes. for the rest of the podcast. Uh, well, that'll that'll just be for to, show. just to reestablish things. I am Maud, and that is Bob. <laughs> I know it gets confusing. <laughs> Maud bra, Maud bra. I know everyone's like, you got to have Maud on for the puns. No, just like we haven't even made one yet. I know. Uh. I feel like there's a drinking game involved in that for every time we don't pun. Ma, don't let everybody down. Now you got to pun it up before the end of the episode. (laughs) Just like Star Wars, you can't force things until... Uh, Nailed uh. it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, if we could just cut that from the final episode. I have a reputation to uphold. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's finish things off uh, with our box of issues. So basically, we have our wonderful community writing questions for us to answer on the show. And we try to give our advice as best we can, but obviously, as as we say from time to time, we are not professionals, so please take our advice with a grain of salt. Uh, so this one comes from Amanda. And the question says, recently, I've become pretty insecure about my chin slash jawline. The other day, I found myself going down a YouTube rabbit hole of people's experiences with cosmetic procedures slash corrections, and since then have fantasized about getting some work done. Realistically, this kind of cosmetic luxury isn't one that I can afford, but I truly think I'd be so much happier with my appearance if I did. Have you ever experienced any insecurities about your physical appearance? How have you dealt with them? Have you considered undergoing cosmetic procedures? Have you gone through with it and gotten anything done? Thanks so much for the advice. Love you guys and the show. I'm Amanda. I think we're all nodding through that because, I mean, as far as the question, have you all, you know, had any insecurities about yourself that you thought about getting stuff done? I mean, I don't know about you ladies, but I definitely have. There were so many times in my career that I thought about getting a breast reduction um, (laughs) because, yeah, I was told that I couldn't, I wasn't castable um, as anything other than like the girl that gets naked in every movie, which doesn't match my face and personality (laughs) so they were like you know from the neck up you're nickelodeon and disney but from the neck down you're spice channel like this was when i was going for more traditional acting and no one knew how to typecast me and so i had agent after agent after agent and manager after manager after manager tell me that if i got a reduction i'd be a lot more castable Uh oh Um, that's so violating to even think that someone has a right to tell you what you should be doing with your body oh Yeah, I thought about that for a long time. And the only reason I didn't do it really was because I knew that one day I wanted to have kids and I had heard, and I don't even know if this is true anymore, but I had heard that if you get an AUG or a reduction or maybe both, you cannot breastfeed. Um, And so I wanted to leave that option on the table for myself if I was ever to have children in the future, which is why I didn't do it. And then fortunately, I fell into the world of hosting where people aren't quite as critical about your face mm-hmm. matching the rest of your body. <laughs> so I was okay. Um, the only other one I considered was when I was younger, especially my cheeks were really round. And I had yeah, heard that Drew Barrymore had this done. I don't know if that's true, but I heard there was a cheek surgery where they could go in and make an incision on the inside of your mouth and take the fat out of your cheeks to give you that more like high cheekbone, slim face like this look. Yeah, I, I, well, and I don't know that it would be that severe yet, but what the doctor, my friend actually went to a doctor and asked about it. What the doctor told my friend about it is 
they haven't been doing it enough to know how you age yet. Oh, no. Because when you when you age, you lose fat in your face, right? Which yeah. is why now my face isn't like super puffy anymore because I've gotten older. Um, but if I did do that in my early 20s and take the fat out of my cheeks, again, because I had an agent tell me my face was too fat to be on camera. Um, if I had Ugh. taken the fat out of my cheeks, then I might, as I age, like start looking like Skeletor. Yeah. So I never I could only did imagine that. what that would look like. I never did. I that feel either. like with Amanda, if you are having insecurities about your how you look, oh my gosh, totally understandable. We are conditioned from a very young age to look a particular way. That's why all the Disney princesses look perfect. That's why magazines all have models. Like we have been completely distorted to have unique uh, to not have or think that unique features are beautiful. We have the same we're supposed to have the same nose, the same colored eyes, the same face shape. Like we all supposed to start looking the same. I live in LA and there are literally three noses in this town. So I'm always an advocate for fighting for uniqueness and feeling good about it. Something that I did notice that you say, Amanda, is that you didn't really think about this and you're 26. So it's a recent thing. Mm-hmm. I had my insecurities develop all through primary school and high school um, and in my teenage years, especially, and I think the, the, what sealed the deal, I have a very gummy smile. And at 19 years old, I met my auntie's boyfriend, who was a dentist. And he didn't say hi when he met me because I was like, hi, nice to meet you. And he goes, oh, you're going to cut your gums, aren't you, to make your smile fit better because your teeth are so small? And I was like, fuck. I didn't even know that that was something that you could do. My mom loved my big smile. I had braces. And before that, I had big gapped, bucked teeth. And she's like, I love them. It's so unique. Um, And yeah, anyway, I got that all closed off. But then as a result, had massive gummy, gappy teeth, um, sorry, gummy teeth. And uh, up until source fed, I was really sick of reading comments on how many dicks guys think, uh, think, thought that I could fit in my mouth. And I think it got up to like 21. And I was just like, people aren't even listening to me because they're just looking at the size of my mouth and sexualizing that. And I really, really didn't like it. So, I mean, the only reason why it's so gummy now is because everything's shut. <laughs> But I get um, <laughs> Botox done here to stop my nose from being able to go up so high. Really? Which then stops that from going so high, which means that my smile, my lip sits just at my teeth instead of going up. But if you look back through all source-fed videos, I have a very, very different smile. I didn't even know um, that was like a possible procedure to get done. Neither did I. But I, yeah, I just, I had people use it against me. And when they started sexualizing it and when people made comments on it, it stopped being so amazing and unique. And, you know, my mum would just be so supportive of that. And she's like, oh, you just look so great. It's so genuine. You know, you look so beautiful. And then the outside world started coming in. And that's what it, when it started being really, really bad. And so I got that done. And I noticed straight away after taking photos, I felt really good about it. I, I remember working at Nickelodeon in Australia and my publicists had to teach me how to smile. They showed me photos and they're like look at this. This isn't really great, is it? And so they t- kind of trained me to get my oh mouth from God. here down to here. And so all the photos in 2000 and whatever that was, I can't remember when I started working there, seven, I was like this. I didn't know how to smile anymore and having a genuine smile. And I love laughing, but that was because sort of taken away from me. I will say though, I'm not really, I don't think personally I ever want to go under the knife. I don't want to have like cosmetic surgery because I feel like that's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. When you start making change, permanent changes to your body, some people are dealt a really you know, tough hand. Like some girls, 
absolutely can't stand the fact that they have a very masculine nose. Um, and then when they get their nose job, they feel like they're finally themselves. I think if you start doing surgeries or anything to your body where it means that you be less and less of yourself and that almost becomes a mask that you get to hide behind, that's when it can be dangerous. And I think that's when addictions can come in where you start fixating on any um, imperfection and you stop loving who you are because you're so desperate to change who that person is. So that's my only sort of like two cents in that department. Man, I don't know if I could have said it any better than that. Yeah. Um, yeah, for real. <laughs> like for Amanda, I I mean, I think I speak for all of us when I think we've all dealt with our insecurities and people, especially being people who are in online media, we see comments and sometimes we take those to heart and then we start thinking about those things when before you would have never thought about it. Like yeah. when that um guy pointed out your gummy smile you never thought about it before but when someone points out you're like oh should i not be happy about the way this looks and then you start fixating on it um and the same thing i think is happening with you amanda with maybe a lot of the content you consume the women look a certain way have a certain type of jawline and chin and i feel like the more and more people who replicate that look people just become copies of each other and there's this standard that is starting to exist of like, this is what beauty is, which mm-hmm. is not true and is not the case. It's just what you tend to be seeing most because that's, I think, what's current or what the current look is that people are going for. I know like lip injections are really popular now and people go for those like big lips and small noses and stuff like that. But as Maud said, you kind of lose yourself and you lose your identity and what makes you unique and what makes you beautiful. But to play devil's advocate on the other side, I will say, I feel like you should do whatever makes you happy and whatever is going to make you feel comfortable with the way you look, but not by comparing yourself to other people in the public eye necessarily. But if you do have some huge nose or like something that you look in the mirror and you're unhappy with every day, I feel like if you could do something to change that and make yourself happy, you should go ahead and do that. But if it's from a place of, oh, well, this person looks this way, I want to look like them. I don't know necessarily that you're ever going to find happiness by doing that. And you're also going to just lose yourself in that situation. And if you've gone 26 years, yeah, you've kind of gone over the milestone yeah. of like when you do have insecurities. I actually went back through my phone just then because, I mean, I didn't want to say, I, I, I felt a little bit icky almost having a, to- a an opinion about wanting to change things about appearances when I don't necessarily feel like I've been dealt a tough hand. It's been manageable, you know, and I I don't want my privilege showing in that particular regard. So I also want to show you this. This is is Maud at 12 years of age. That's pre-braces. It is a beautiful smile. So there is hope for everyone if I can look like that and it does get a little bit better. But, um, yeah, some people are just naturally beautiful and good on them. Other people try to find that beauty in different ways. But I think, yeah, as soon as you just remind yourself of your amazing qualities and the the best thing as well is that whatever uniqueness you have, it is someone else's jam. It is something mm-hmm. that someone else mm-hmm. finds so attractive. And I think that it's a little bit ridiculous for us to all just think that this one particular look is so perfect and ideal and aesthetically pleasing because I've met so many guys who are just like, I love the bump in women's nose. I think it's the sexiest thing, you know? So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, someone else, if, even if you don't like it, someone else loves it. <laughs> I also wonder if if it's a situation of 
were you always unhappy with your chin and jawline or did you only become unhappy having seen certain people look a certain way after a period of time? That's uh, an interesting because, question. Yeah. Because it's like it's a very different situation. Like for me, I have never been self-conscious of my lips. But when I smile, kind of like you, Maude, like some of my gums up here show just because this my top lip is thinner than my bottom lip. And I never thought about it before. But then watching all these videos and seeing all this content with these people who have these big, full lips who obviously get injections, I started thinking, should I get injections like in my top lip so it evens itself out and I could look more like these people? And then I had to kind of check myself and saying, like, I've never been unhappy about this before. But now that I see these people look this certain way and I want that because it seems more attractive, but mm -hmm. I was never unhappy in the first place about this. So why am I feeling this way? I oh. also, um, Amanda, want to employ you to figure out, like, look at your Instagram. Who are you following? What are the kind of women that you're following on there? Are they being very explicit or suggestive or perfect? Are they kind of conditioned and photoshopped? Are they projecting uh, any sort of truth in their looks? Because if your feed is just filled with these artificial or, like, honestly, not even truthful, like, because they've been tapered and manipulated and face-tuned, like, if they're not, if, if you're inundated with, images that are not an accurate representation of them, let alone of the average person, like that can be really sort of numbing, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I would say too, because I think Amanda said it was a, a jawline in particular and like a jawline surgery you were looking at. I knew a girl in my late teens and she was also in her late teens who had always been very self-conscious about, um, I think she had a very protruded underbite. And she was always very self-conscious about how that made her jaw look. And so I believe she was 18 or 19 when she got the surgery done to kind of reset her bite so that it's more in line as opposed to this way. And she was thrilled after. It's something she had always wanted to do. Her family helped her out, obviously. Um, and she felt like for the first time she looked like how she had always envisioned herself. So I think it's important to kind of keep in mind that aspect of it as well. Um, but to echo what Barb and Maude are saying, I actually I had an acting professor tell me when I was still I studied acting in Pennsylvania before I moved out to Los Angeles. And I had an acting professor tell me, don't change too much about you, because when the perfect role comes for you, you might not be you anymore. Wow. And yeah. I just thought that was a really good way to keep it in perspective of, you know, really just do what's true to you. At whoever you feel like you are on the inside, as opposed to who you might be comparing yourself to on the outside. Absolutely. Yeah. That's I a, actually that's had a, a my, quote. yeah, it is. Uh, my girlfriend's cousin, uh, when she was like 16, 17, um, had a, had a, like a jaw surgery because, um, you know, she, it, it, hers was actually like she had like a medical issue with her jaw, but her plastic surgeon looked at her and he was like, hey, I can take care of that nose too. And she was just like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't even yeah. realize there was anything with her nose. And of course, she was so young and just like, oh, okay, I guess here's this doctor. And he, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And now, I mean, now that she's older, she's like in her uh, late 20s. She's like, I wish I wouldn't have done it because I, I don't know what I would have looked like, you know? Like, yeah. I was such a kid then and I had no idea. Um, so, That's I mean, so irresponsible I, of that doctor. Oh, God, I it was terrible. I've, had, yeah. I've actually had that happen to me as well. Someone, I had a... Um, uh, when you know getting botox i went to a different doctor and they said you have such a straight nose and i was like thank you and he went <laughs> you need to get that lifted up though you need a nose lift uh. need and i was like they use the term need yeah 
Yeah. Nah. Or like what you nah, should bruh. do. God. But whatever it was, it started off as a compliment, but it says like one part of your nose is perfect. Shame about the rest. And I was kind of like, I felt that same thing. Where I was like, didn't ask, wasn't after advice, <laughs> didn't come in here about that. Yeah. Screw you. I didn't come yeah. for a, a assessment for- on my entire face and body. Thank you. And it was like a, an older, an old, much older man. And I was like, you do not have the right to do that. Like, what that a is playbook, so irresponsible. What a playbook neg, too. Like, is that <laughs> yeah. older man reading the game? What's up with that? <laughs> but I feel like if, if, if I had, like, I mean, I, I had been, and I, I have been starting to think about that more and more because he planted this seed of doubt in my mind. But, like, if anyone else had started thinking about that earlier and he came in with that, yeah, you bet yeah. your butt. That, how easy would it be to be like, great, fix it. You've told me yeah. that I have a problem and Maybe that you just- can fix it. Maybe that's why they do it, so they can make more money. It's probably, yeah, it was an upsell for sure. Gross, gross, gross. You do not upsell people's bodies. <laughs> Merle, any thoughts before we close out? On oh, man, no. I mean, I've always uh, thought about getting a breast reduction just because my back hurts all the time. But <laughs> I've been very lucky. I don't know if it's if it's growing up with a Mexican mother and Mexican father who are just, like, constantly picking at your um, at your insecurities <laughs> that makes you just, like, stonewalled to the rest of it. Um, but I've been very lucky that I, I have a, like a pretty decent, like, you know, you know, that scene in, in Mean Girls where they're all like looking in front of the mirror. Um, and you know, she's like, oh, I have man shoulders or like, oh, like my nail beds suck. My and then they all are so big. Yeah. They all look at Katie and they're all kind of like waiting. Like I've always, I felt like I've always been Katie where I'm like, oh yeah, there's probably plenty of things I could want to change about myself. But luckily, like, I don't care enough. Um. And so I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess I have bad breath in the morning. Like, that's, <laughs> that's where I've, I've been very um, fortunate to, to be for the most part that I like, besides things that I'm like, man, I'm, I'm getting old. Like, my back really hurts. Maybe I should cut these things off and uh, or just do more yoga. You know, maybe that'll help me. Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, I, I think this is all you guys gave great advice for Amanda here. Um, I think ultimately you should do whatever makes you happy, but make sure that your version of happiness is not based off anyone else. And it's just something that you want to do to make yourself happy and feel good about yourself. Um, I think it ultimately is the case. And just know that everyone deals with insecurities. Even the right. most beautiful women that you've ever seen probably deals with it guys, every day. Yeah. Hot models are usually the most insecure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and much love to you, Amanda. Keep us posted. Um, and if you guys watching have a question for us on the show, you could email us alwaysopen at roosterteeth.com. We're also doing a bonus show um, every week on the roosterteeth.com website on RTTV. We're live streaming more questions. Uh, so if you guys have more questions for us, we're taking more of them. So feel free to send them on in. Uh, ladies, thank you so much for being here today, Maude and Trisha. That was Good yeah, chat. thank you guys so much. It was yeah, a pleasure. Thanks for having us. We're still doing a, an after show, post show with you guys. Um, that'll be up on our website for exclusively first members. Mm-hmm. So make sure you sign up so you can see more of these lovely ladies. Thank you guys so much. Meryl as well. Thank, thank you. you as always. And cheers. Of course, Barb. Yay. Thank you for having us. Of course. Oh, and oh, before we go, don't leave yet. You can find these we're, ladies we're still here. on the internet as well. Where could people <laughs> find you guys and uh, see what y'all are up to? Go ahead, Mod. Trisha and I started a new show. It's sick. We didn't get to work uh, with each other at SourceFed because when she left, I came. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we decided to do a little something called Power Up Podcast. And Power stands for playing, watching, and reading. 
And so every single week we talk about what we have been doing, especially in quarantine. And every other week we have a guest on board so that they can talk about what their power up is. Fantastic. And we do it on Trisha's Twitch channel. So every Friday, 4 p.m. Pacific time, head to twitch.tv slash Trisha Hirschberger and you can watch it live. But then all the videos are on demand at youtube.com slash geekbomb. Yes, and all of the podcasts are available on all the podcast stuff on Geekbomb's podcast network, I believe. Yes? That's it. Yeah, just look up Geekbomb and you can find uh, the newer list with Fungens and also this. Yeah. And yeah, is there... it's been... Sorry, I was going to say it's been really nice in this time where everyone's sheltering in place and really, I think, going through their long lists of things they wanted to play or watch or read to get some new suggestions they might not have considered before. Oh, I'm making my way through the piles of shame for sure. <laughs> well, that being said, is there one thing that you would recommend to our audience of one thing that they could watch, play, read, etc.? I mean, I'm having a great time with Final Fantasy VII Remake. We're both playing Final Fantasy VII. I think we're both watching Community, right? And we I, both just uh-uh. read The Hobbit. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually not watching Community. I'm the only person in the world that's not watching Community. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. That's my recommendation on for that. Trisha to watch Community. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm watching Money Heist on oh, Netflix. So good. I'm oh, getting through Money Heist out. right now, and it's really good. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I final, w- final season Clone Wars. I would recommend Animal Crossing to anyone who isn't playing, which I don't think there's very many people left on the planet not playing Animal Crossing. But if you're not already, um, it has literally saved me from uh, a lot of anxiety during this time. Uh, It's very therapeutic. Yeah. Just shaking some trees, picking up some seashells, getting totally screwed over by a raccoon. It's awesome. (laughs) I haven't started playing it at all yet, which I know is like, Trisha, what are you doing? Um, and you're going to laugh. I actually bought it and just oh, haven't did. started playing it yet uh, because of my tiny human. I only have about right. two to three hours a day I don't that I can you. play video games. And right now I'm burning through Final Fantasy VII Remake. <laughs> so I'm like, if everyone's still playing Animal Crossing when I'm done my Final Fantasy playthrough, <laughs> then I will jump into Animal Crossing. I'll be there. You can play with me. <laughs> Come oh, up. thank you, Barbara. <laughs> I'll give you all the fruit. <laughs> that's a really big deal awesome well thank you guys so much for joining us and uh stick around for the post show if you're on the rushith website thank you lovely ladies bye bye